Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome. We are a third of the way through the season in our Liga and this weekend was perhaps the most exciting yet. I'm here, Matt Clark, with Rory Barlow. How are you, Rory? Exciting for some, Matt. I... I don't know why I invest time and emotion in football because it doesn't it doesn't pay off. No, uh, it was a brilliant weekend and some brilliant games. And if you uh, weren't a Barcelona fan, it it was full of some some fantastic moments. Absolutely. Well, we'll get onto those in due course. Let's quickly run through the results and some of the main talking points from the weekend. Then Friday we kicked off at San Mamés and. Cadiz were victorious. Alvaro Cervera's side got a much-needed win to spoil the 200th game at San Mamés. With a repeat of the result from last season after the game, Marcelino and Iñaki Williams were both very angry and apologised to the supporters. And then on Saturday, we had Espanyol beating Granada 2-0 at home, who have now taken more points at the RCD Stadium than they did in the whole of the 1920 season when, of course, they went down. A stunning goal from Adria Pedrosa and another goal from Raul de Tomás and another standout performance from goalkeeper Diego López, now 40 years old, that got Espanyol over the line. RDT has now scored in his last five Espanyol appearances and in his last six at home. And he was rewarded with that by a call from Spain after the injury to Ansu Fati. Saturday continued with an absolute humdinger at Balaidos, which we will get into in more depth very shortly. An incredible game, Barca into a 3-0 lead, Injuries to Ansu Fati, Nico and Eric Garcia, and they then capitulated in the second half. They haven't won any of their first five away league games this season. That hasn't happened since 1986-87 with El Tel, Terry Venables on the bench. Saturday continued with Alaves coming from behind to beat Levante and Hosselu, who else, was the man to inspire it. Levante have now gone 21 matches without a win in the league. Alaves, on the other hand, they are flying 10 points from 12. Javier Pereira is the first Levante coach to fail to win any of his first five league matches. Saturday night ended at the Bernabeu. Real Madrid got a 2-1 win over Rayo Vallecano. They were cruising from goals from Tony Cruz 
and Karim Benzema. But then Raya made it interesting. Radamel Falcao came off the bench, scored, then unfortunately had to go off again. But in the dying seconds, Raya thought they got an equaliser, but some kind of last-ditch defending from Real Madrid preserved the win. Sunday then, and even more dramatic matches. Villarreal, not at their best, but they got the only thing that mattered, a 1-0 victory over Hetafe. Emery stays, and they take all three points at La Salanica. Then on to Mestalla, and if you think Celta Barça was crazy, well, hold my beer. Valencia 3, Atleti 3, simply bonkers. When Valencia scored a couple of goals against Mallorca in stoppage time last, uh, last month, that was the first time a side had come from two goals down in stoppage time in 18 years. And it's happened again just 15 days later and at the same stadium for the same team. That data from Mr. Chip, that's just simply incredible. Atleti as well, they've now conceded 12, uh, after 12 games, they've conceded more goals in La Liga than in any other season under Cholo Simeone. And that's 19 goals conceded in 16 matches this season, 12 in the last six problems for Cholo. Then two matches kicking off in the evening on Sunday. Mallorca 2, Elche 2 was also very entertaining. Lucas Boyer was gifted the opening goal. Salva Sevilla equalised from the spot. Boyer then put Elche back in front, but a late equaliser from Paolo Maffeo meant the spoils were shared. And as for the, the new league leaders, once again, the Real Sociedad went back to the top of the table with a hard-fought win at El Salar. Former Osasuna youth player Mikel Merino with a deflected opener before Adnan Yanazai secured the win from the spot. 17 of Real Sociedad's 19 goals this season have come in the second half of matches. And then, of course, the partidazo of the weekend that we thought it was going to be, at least, El Gran Derby at the Benito Villamarín. It finished 2-0 to Sevilla. The red card to Guido Rodriguez conditioned the game in truth. And uh, Marcos Acuña opened the scoring with a golazo after a sequence of 13 passes. And then an own goal from Hector Bellerín sentenced the game. We're going to hear more about that from Gregor Chappelle in part two. So after all of that, Rory, it's time to get in depth with Celta Barça and from Balaidos, we'll hand over to you who spoke to Ian Morris from Celta USA. joined here by Ian Morris of Celta USA after a crazy game, another crazy game at Balaidos between Barcelona and Celta. How are you doing, Ian, first of all? Yeah, quite an emotional roller coaster yesterday. Um, you know, I wanted to turn the game off after that first half where, you know, it looked like uh, things just weren't going to go our way. Um, but, you know, glad I stuck around for the second half. Uh, saw Celta really turn the corner and, and, and dominate a Barcelona team that, of course, isn't uh, doing well at all. But uh, I think it was an important uh, 45 minutes of football that really um, looked more like the Celta that we were used to seeing under Eduardo Coudet uh, last season. So uh, definitely looks like something we can grow from and 
and hopefully uh, that momentum carries over after the international break. And delight sort of at, at the end there, where exactly does this rank in the sort of great entertaining Celta Barca and Balaidos games? There have been so many ever since Celta came back um, from the second division back in 2012. Um, you know, it's hard to top the 4-1 kind of shocking uh, Celta win over that MSN. Um, Luis Enrique coached Barcelona team back in 2015. Um, you know, there have been a lot of exciting games. 4-3 win comes to mind uh, the year after that as well. But, you know, in terms of absolutes, um, shocking ending and and really just things um completely turning in the second half i don't i don't think there's there's a more surprising results uh, all things considered than than yesterday's uh, how how things ended up yesterday certainly yeah i i 100% agree with your assessment of that just moving on to sort of celta more generally this was obviously a good point to pick up after a less than auspicious start to the season with, with yeah, slightly disappointing start, but they are starting to pick up a little bit more. Do you think that this is sort of, I mean, we obviously saw Chacho come in at the sort of a couple of months into last season and nearly get them into Europe. Do you think that's possible again, that they could go that far? Or are you setting your expectations a little lower this season? Um, I'm definitely not expecting a run towards Europe this year. Um, there, uh, in my opinion, there are just so many quality, deep teams. Um, you know, you look at Betis, you look at Villarreal, you look at um, Osasuna, teams that I think are really um, better positioned than Celta. Uh, they have squad depth. They got off to a better start to the year. Um, my personal expectations, well, hopes more than expectations are that you know, this team can kind of get a streak going, uh, can comfortably establish themselves in the middle of the table, um, and obviously kind of brush aside those relegation fears that we've dealt with so often over the past couple or few seasons, really. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk in Vigo about possibly going on a Copa del Rey run. Uh, you know, if you get the team kind of solidified mid-table and, and, and shoot towards that, um, you know, it's it's the elephant in the room for Celta fans. We've never won a, a title before outside of the 2000 Intertoto trophy, which uh, debatably counts as a title. Um, and Chacho Codet's mission ever since he came to Celta has been, um, and, and, you know, he stated it publicly, finally finding that trophy. So, um, you know, what I'm kind of hoping for is a mid-table finish where we don't have to worry too much about relegation and and maybe look to make some moves in, in the Copa del Rey this season. And one way or another, Iago Aspas is going to be key in terms of uh, whatever Celta achieve. They, I mean, he hasn't had perhaps, again, the most auspicious start. And we're used to Aspas being sort of the star player for Celta, really dragging them out of situations. Is it... I, I hate to ask this question because we all love Iago Aspas, but... Is this the start of a decline or is it just a dip in your view? You obviously watch him very closely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Iago Aspas, for my money, is the best player in club history. Um, continues to have a lot of quality. Um, mm. But but let's be honest, he's 34 years old. He's played a lot of minutes uh, ever since coming back from Liverpool or from um, 
yeah, Liverpool and then alone at, at Sevilla. Um, and, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to last forever. Um, Eduardo Curet actually started him on the bench um, in Celta's draw uh, at Rayo Vallecano on Monday. Uh, I think we might see more of this in the future, kind of um, choosing when is the best time to, you know, maybe get him a little bit of rest. Um, but, you know, seeing that, that, that he did get some rest on Monday and what he did yesterday where he looked like vintage Iago Aspas, maybe that's the solution. Um, you know, to me, it, it, it doesn't seem as much like a physical thing as it does perhaps just he wasn't kind of feeling things at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, I, th- I think physically he's still got plenty of quickness. He's still really nice on the ball and, and that left foot is magic, but he just looked kind of out of rhythm at the beginning of the season. Um, and hopefully this game serves as a turning point for him and uh, hopefully Celta is able to kind of manage his minutes and, and not work him to the point of exhaustion so that he can continue to contribute. Um, I still think he's our team's most talented player. Mm-hmm. He's the key to our attack, uh, especially now with Santi Mina out, although hopefully we'll be looking to get him back after the international break. Um, he's still a key player for us. It's just going to be a, ma- uh, a matter of min- managing his minutes and you know, continuing to hope that, that his body holds up and, and he can continue to be a key contributor, which I expect him to be this season. Yeah, and yeah, as I say, I speak for everyone when, when I say I hope Iago Aspas can sort of find that sort of peak form that he's he's found over so many seasons lately. It, it's remarkable the importance he has to Celta. But I will wrap things up and let you get back to your Sunday afternoon, Ian, because it, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, but um, you're a man in demand and I, I don't want to take that away <laughs> from you. So I'll thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure as always. Cheers, and back to you, Matt. Thanks very much, Rory and Ian. And we'll hear more from him as the season continues, I'm sure. So, Rory, we've heard the Celta perspective. Xavi's in the door now. He's he's landed in Barcelona. He'll be presented on Monday. But this game... Uh, with Sergio Bajuan's last. Um, from a Barca perspective, what did you make of it? Um, it looked like sort of a, the wave of optimism had really come back to Barcelona with, with Xavi coming in. And that first half was, was fantastic. But to sum this game up, it was the good, then the bad, and then the downright ugly from Barcelona. This, I mean, I don't, I don't know what more we learned from this game about Barcelona, so to speak. I think it was more or less what we've seen from this side, just to sort of the nth degree, in, in, so to speak. I, they were really good in this first half, I have to say. They spread the play very well. They were quite vertical, um, but that helped them. And they managed to sort of play through Celta very well. Sergi Busquets managing to get on the score sheet for the first time in a couple of years. Memphis Depay got a, an important goal for him. Uh, because I think he's been slightly lacking in, in recent weeks. And, and Ansu Fati, again, coming up with the goods inside the box. Just, it all went wrong. As soon as Ansu Fati went down and you sort of you felt the what's the, what, the misery just kind of returning to Barcelona. And I think, to be honest, although Ansu Fati going off is perhaps the headline news and really, really damaging injury for him, just in terms mentally coming back, 
I think Nico was the really big miss. When he went off, I thought Barcelona lost mm. a lot of control. They lost a lot of power in midfield and ability to sort of hold off Celta. And in that second half, you just saw that they weren't able to put their foot on the ball. They were lost all sorts of control. And Frankie de Jong, who is part of the solution and part of the problem, said that they had no personality. And to be honest, it was him that didn't close Diago Asas down properly in the last minute when they conceded. Yeah, the injuries are just piling up for Barca and, you know, there's been much talk this weekend about the medical personnel and whether that needs to be changed. But uh, in terms of the, the playing staff itself, the reality is that, you know, the money isn't necessarily there to invest big time in January. So what they have is what they will fight with for the rest of the season. Um, of course, Xavi comes in, his, his first game will be the derby at Camp Nou against Espanyol. And then soon after that is the absolute crucial game against Benfica. So I think you tweeted uh, this weekend that everyone compares this to the Pep Guardiola and even the Koeman arrival um, about kind of very tough circumstances in which to start. And you asked the question that is this perhaps even tougher for Xavi? Yeah, I mean, on the face of it, OK, Koeman was coming off a catastrophic defeat and, and the presidential issues there. Um, Luis Suarez leaving, there was a clear sense of regeneration, but this really is being thrown into the sort of boiling cauldron because two results go badly for Xavi and although he's Xavi, he will get given time and I don't think he'll be in danger, but the pressure will be right up um, as soon as those results don't go his way. I think for Barcelona, yeah, you've mentioned the medical staff, they were very um, señalado, uh, signalled or kind of called out, um, even by Sergi Barjuan himself. And that kind of mm. shows the degree to which physical preparation is, is really hurting Barcelona because not only are they losing players, they're conceding late goals. That goal against them again, coming back to that, poor closing down. They, they just couldn't run with Celta for the second half. And yeah, it's part of a sort of systemic culture of failing to meet the standards. And I think that is what Xavi has to come in and impose as standards again. But yeah, this was just... A painful game that sort of exhibited Barcelona's weaknesses in terms of all throughout the club, all throughout the sort of playing staff, the coaching staff, and indeed in this case the medical staff. Mm. Yeah, lots for Xavi to work on. And of course, uh, at the end of the match day, Barcelona are now, in points terms at least, as close to Hetafe in 20th as they are for Resolvidad in 1st. Moving on to Mestalla and the same scoreline and similar circumstances, an absolutely dramatic end to this game. As we said in the introduction there, Valencia, they stole two goals against Mallorca a couple of weeks ago to get a 2-2 draw. This time they were 3-1 down to Cholo Simeone's Atleti. You think that's game over, but incredibly, Hugo Duro comes on, scores twice and Valencia take another point. Rory, you saw this game, what, what did you think? overall um, and just in, especially in terms of Atleti's kind of defensive issues what, what's your take? Yeah I think again trying to look at this from a point of view of what did we learn because I, I mentioned that this was the worst Simeone defence that I've seen I think I think it was last week again we were talking before about the, the weeks really blurring into one uh, these <laughs> days and the match days too um, but yeah this is the worst Simeone defence and I think the worrying thing for Atleti is that I don't necessarily think it's a system, a system problem. I don't think it's in terms of their style or 
or the sort of the way that they're trying to play it's the players themselves that aren't doing their jobs they aren't winning their battles you look at the set piece that's simple marking cholo five years ago that it would be unthinkable to think of that them conceding that goal and yeah just the ease with which they're conceding goals i think a lot of it is due to players losing their battles jimenez quality central defender on his day really up there with the best in the world he's big he's strong he's fast he's quick but he doesn't seem to quite have that edge at the minute savage the same they're not winning their battles and so it, it's hard to know how you sort of solve that immediately i mean is it just poor form no how do you cover the defense more you can't add another center half in you've only got so many and, mm. and you've already you're already playing free so how to cover those issues i think it's been a welcome sort of improvement in attack going forward in the goals but like uh, Carla Fernandez mentioned it's all very well scoring three goals but if you're conceding three as well it it doesn't really matter about improving an attack and Cholo has significant work to do here and you have to have faith in him doing it because I mean look at his track record but it it's certainly concerning and and right now it doesn't seem like there's a quick easy fix to this. Yes, Atleti surrendering more goals and more points at Mestalla. Well, that's the end of part one. Stick with us because we're going to round up El Gran Derby with, uh, with Gregor Chappell and we'll cover all the rest of the action and get our MVP picks and our moments of the week before we head into the international break. So stick with us. We'll be back soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. I'm here with Rory Barlow and we are recapping match day 13 in La Liga, which was a phenomenal weekend. And the final game of that weekend was El Gran Derby, one of the most incredible derbies in world football, I think it's fair to say. Benito Villamarín was in fine voice before the game. Full-time, though, wasn't quite the same story as Sevilla came there and won 2-0. So now we're going to get some reaction with Sevilla fan Gregor Chappell. Rory, take it away. Insiste el Sevilla, Jordán por dentro para Rakiti, apertura, banda izquierda para Ocampos, que es una pesadilla, Ocampos atrás para Acuña, Acuña que le pega, que golazo, gol, 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 and I'm joined by Gregor Chappell after another Derby Sevillano, which was taken by Sevilla the sixth. They've won, I think, five out of the last six. It was 2-0, greatly conditioned by the red card to Guido Rodriguez. Um, first of all, Gregor, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm quite happy with that result. Like you said, it's been a few games now where Betis haven't had a result over Sevilla, so... Uh... Yes, yeah, after the week Sevilla had, it's a nice little tonic for the poor result against Leo on in the midweek there. So happy days! <laughs> I it definitely sort of lifts the pressure, I think, for Lopetegui, who, as you say, has has definitely got bragging rights over Betis. Bellerin with an own goal late on kind of sealed the match after a excellent Marcos Acuna goal. What did you? I don't know if you had any strong opinions on the match. It felt fairly straightforward for me and. Yeah, like you said, coming off the back of that Leo result, what does this mean for Sevilla? I mean, yeah, I'd say first half, it was a typical kind of derby game, quite kind of cagey, not a lot created um, in the first 40 minutes or so. And then it kind of came to life, and then this, I'd say the sending off made a big difference. Uh, in that second half, Sevilla kind of really got more of a foothold in it. They controlled the game. They were kind of in charge. I kind of almost felt that Betty's didn't at times believe that they could, um, especially when they went 1-0 down, turn it around, because if they couldn't do it first half with 11, it's a daunting task with 10. And, you know, you always yeah. think maybe, the, like, the historical results as well play a big part in that. It, you know, like, if they've not had a win for so long, that's in the back of your mind as well. But, no, I think it's a massive result, especially for Lopetegui after um, the first four games in the Champions League without a win, only scoring three goals. It was really important to uh, kind of get back to winning ways tonight, and uh, especially in the biggest game of the season, or well, one of one of the two biggest games of the season <laughs> against our biggest rivals. So, yeah, it was the kind of like I said the perfect tonic for it. Definitely, and I'm not gonna lie, I've been slightly underwhelmed by Sevilla this year after an excellent season last year. What have you kind of made of them so far? Because they, they did make some good signings. They brought in Lamela, they brought in Rafa Mir, brought in a bit more depth with Montiel and Augustinsson, Delaney, quite a few there. What have you made of them this season and, and their kind of slightly shaky form, I'll say? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You'd you'd be hoping that they would have kicked on from last year. Like I thought they could have had a little late push on for the league last season and it hasn't really... I mean, they've done well at home. They've won all their games at home. But away from home, they've been a little bit unconvincing. 
and in Europe especially as well, like kings of the Europa League, but just the complete opposite in the Champions League. Um, it's upsetting, but you know you're hoping a, a big. Res- Sometimes a team just needs like a big result to just make them kick on a little bit because I think this year, I think a lot of us can see this. La Liga's not a foregone conclusion by any means. Okay, Madrid or Atletico might be favourites. Barcelona having their problems, but. I feel like this could be the like I always thought this from the start of the season this could be a season where a team like Sevilla this is the best chance they could have for years and years and years to really have a title push. So I'm hoping that this starts to click now a little bit more um after tonight's result. Yeah, I think I I'd probably agree with you there. Obviously Atleti and Real are favourites, but Sevilla, until that sort of Real Madrid game, which they drew two all sort of towards the end of last season, if they'd won that, they would have been right in with a shout. Yeah. Just kind of straight up, do you think they can win it? Do they have the pieces there to do it? Um, oof. I mean, I don't want to say something that looks ridiculous at the end of the season, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why not? You have to... Yeah, stranger things have happened. I mean... Like you said, yeah, like last year they they did look like they were going to do it and then towards the end just kind of petered out, ended up finishing um, fourth place. But this season, you know, Atletico have got their defensive problems. Real Madrid have done well at times, but are prone to dropping points. And Barcelona have got their own little situation that isn't, that's a little bit complicated <laughs> as well. So, yeah, why not? Why can't they do it? They've got a group of players there. A lot of them have been together for a while. Um they know each other well and they've got quite a good group I think so I don't see why they can't just push on definitely and they are only a point off top now um, exactly. Real Sociedad leading the league I think like you say Sevilla do know how to grind out a result and they there's definitely more to come from them and so if they do manage to find that then I think they're in with a chance I will probably just wrap it up and throw it back to Matt now, just because I'm, I'm conscious that I'm taking minutes and hours of sleep away from Gregor, but I'll thank no you very problem. much for your time. No problem. And uh, yeah, back to you, Matt. Thank you. Many thanks to Rory and Gregor. Julian Lopetegui continuing his domination of this match. That's his fifth Grand Derby. He's won four of them and drawn the other. Simply remarkable. Well, now it's time to recap the rest of the weekend's action. And we'll start with Friday night. Rory, you were very impressed with Cadiz, weren't you? Yeah, Cadiz. I actually think the... I mean, this seems to be happened to a few teams that their home record is actually worse than their away record. And I think Cadiz seemed to be getting the balance a little bit better away from home where... They seem to be able to sort of come out, attack for 20-30 minutes, try and get a goal and then sort of maybe retreat a little bit, drop a little deeper and become the sort of familiar caddy we've seen. And they got that bounce exactly right. They did just enough to win. They got their goal. It helps that they're playing against a, a somewhat blunt athletic, but Cervera at his best getting a result where perhaps they shouldn't have um, or, or it didn't seem likely. And a huge, huge win for them, which really stops the slide there. Yeah, it's only their second win of the season, only Athletic's second defeat too. And uh, as you could, as we could see from the reaction, they were pretty underwhelming and they knew it. Espanyol then, as we mentioned, a fantastic opening goal from Adria Pedrosa and, uh, and that RDT header 
Rory Espanyol are flying at home. Yeah, it has to be said, the, the RCD Stadium in uh, Cornea um, is definitely definitely a fortress at the minute. And yeah, this is just all about that goal. Like that is as sweet a strike as you will find. Um, and, and brilliant set pieces, rare you actually see that come off. It's reassuring to know that they do actually sometimes come off. And, and brilliant, brilliant goal. Has to be said, I think Espanyol were maybe a little slower starting them than we gave them for than I thought they would be, but they seem to really be coming into their own. Mm. Level on points with their cross city rivals with the derby to come after the international break. Uh, nothing like a juicy bit of narrative there. <laughs> uh, back in the Basque country, Hossilu once again inspired Alaves, didn't he? Where would they be without him? And where will Avante be come the end of the season? Well, where would they be? Where would Alaves be without Javi Calleja? I actually want to give mm. Alaves a little bit of credit because they did go through managers last season and don't think it's the the best policy to do so. But fair enough to Javi Calleja they, or Alaves. They gave him sort of a bit of trust. They gave him a bit of rope, and he's started pulling them out of the out of the mire. They're flying now, and I think he's just demonstrating he's a really good manager. I mean. Based off the evidence that we've seen, okay, Villarreal, some would say that he underachieved with them, but I, for me, did a really good job with that, the exception of that one run that got him sacked the first time. Um, and then Alaves, <laughs> back from the dead again, sort of towards the end of last season. And, and now he seems to be doing it again with a team which, to be honest, I'm not sure has the quality that others do in this league. Levante. Oh, <laughs> it's looking worrying for them, I have to say. Apart from the Atleti game, and as we know, Levante always turn up against Atleti at the moment. I've seen very little to suggest that there is there is a marked difference between what we saw under Paco Lopez and, and Javi Pereira. Yeah, we asked Paco in our WhatsApp group whether Levante would even kind of consider changing coaches once again in the international break. And... Uh, Said it was pretty unlikely, but um, well, you never know, do you? You never know. If relegation is looking like an increasing prospect, clubs can push that panic button repeatedly. Well, uh, Real Madrid, 2-1 winners over Rayo. We've, uh, we've mentioned that they, they were cruising and then they, they made it difficult for themselves. You thought Rayo probably could have got back into this in the end. Yeah, this was typical Ancelotti ball, to, to coin a phrase. Really good for sort of about 60, 70 minutes, attack absolutely flowing. I mentioned that I think he's the most sort of, I mean, being an Italian manager, the stereotype is that you're defensively solid and you're, you're sort of very strong at the back. Carlo's the absolute opposite of that. It's about freedom of expression. It's about the attacking players being given license to do what they do best. And that worked and looked really good for, for 70 minutes and then that's the thing with Ancelotti says is they always give you a chance and we'll find out whether it will be enough to sort of get them home over the course of the league season but Rayo for me should have should have got a point here they they hit the post late on uh, they had that really really sort of just get like a good contact on it at the corner I, I can't remember who it is mm. if it's Savoyevich or Katena Komasanya maybe You'll remind me, Matt, probably. But um, yeah, on the sort of goal line and, and Real Madrid get away with it, but really by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, once again, Iriola's side proving themselves worthy of a place in the top half of La Liga, which is where they still are. Uh, Villarreal, Emery, 
the news this week was that he was going to go. Newcastle were calling. Tunai Emery, as we uh, as we said, but um, not to be. He decided to stay. Um, and despite rumours that they could e- might have even sacked him after the poor run of form, he then wins in the Champions League, and then he wins again in La Liga today uh, on on Sunday. And uh, some injuries though that that must be a concern though, ahead of well the international break might be uh, a good time for them, but. Yeah, Danjuma and then Jeremy both coming off injured. Yeah, they've been the the uh, floating devices for Villarreal this season. They've really kept them sort of just about doing well enough. And yeah, well, they're not doing well enough in the league, but they they are doing doing okay in the Champions League. And without those two, you have to worry if uh, I, I don't know what the latest news is with Gerard Moreno, but I mean he's obviously not fully fit and and hasn't. Um, hasn't sort of really got back up to speed. Paco Alcacer, it really seems clear to me that Emery doesn't trust him anymore. He he was, I mean, Jeremy Pino came on ahead of him in a sort of false nine role, I believe, in midweek. That's, that's not a good sign. Bulaidia, yeah, okay, gives you a few options, but again, doesn't seem to have the full trust of Emery. So up front, it's looking a bit better, it has to be said, for a team that initially starting the season I would have said was flush for options mm. because yeah none of that kind of strike force is really in form apart from Jeremy Pino and Dan Juma and w- without them it remains to be seen they get the result against Hitafe which I think was very important for Emery to go back to yeah. La Ceramica get a result in front of his fans again and just sort of calm things down after a turbulent week but yeah uh, I think there's Work ahead for Emery, work ahead for Villarreal to sort of get back on the straight and narrow. Mm, our friends at Villarreal USA saying that as soon as they seem to take a couple of steps forward, there is a, either an injury or another setback which seems to set them back uh, a couple of steps too. So uh, a very inconsistent time for the yellow submarine. Similarly inconsistent, Mallorca Elche, um, an interesting game, ebb and flow in the, in the encounter. Mallorca behind level, um, behind again. Save the point this time. Finally, some some joy for them in, in the added time. Uh, they've been uh, guilty of dropping points late on in, in recent weeks. Of course, that Valencia game is the one that everyone remembers. But this time, they were the ones that got the point in added time. But you want some praise for um, Elche's Argentinian forward? Yeah, Lucas Boyer. What a player he looks. He has been phenomenal for them, and and probably one of the better pickups. And I mean, he came on loan and then was signed permanently. All the big fanfare was around Javier Pastore, but he is without doubt their their best player and their shining light at the minute. And it's one of those that if you're a fan of fan of Elche, I'm sure Keith will probably think the same. It's it's a where would we be without him kind of thing. And and yeah, absolutely crucial to them. Yeah, I think very comparable with Hosselu in terms of his importance to the team. And if if you're a club down the bottom there fighting relegation, if you have a forward that scores goals, you've got more than half a chance, haven't you? So. Yeah, encouraging signs, I think, for both sides, really, in this game. Some mistakes, but also some some bright spots. So back to our leaders then, La Real. Uh, 2-0 winners, Adel Sadar. Another professional performance, another clean sheet, another win. Still unbeaten since the opening day. Rory, how impressive are they? they they're fantastic. Given the struggles that other teams are going through and the injury lists that other teams have fought, suffered and you look how, how damaging that's been to them. You look at La Real, 
for them still to be top is just sensational. And I think if I can delve into sort of a, a trope or something, there's a often a dismissal of possession in the opponent's half and, and maybe it not be creating loads and loads of chances. Perhaps people, people don't seem to see this as important or useful. And I understand that argument, but this victory for me just comes from L'Areal being ambitious and playing in the right areas. The goal is, it comes from nothing. I mean, they do, they work the space well, and that's something that they, they have been doing well. And Marino takes a shot, big deflection into the goal. And that comes from playing in the right areas, from being ambitious, from sort of trying to dominate the game. Where, whereas if you're sort of maybe less ambitious and, and you're not trying to go forward so much, you just, you don't get that piece of luck because these were two very evenly matched teams on the day for me. And, mm. and also sooner, a wee bit unlucky to go behind, but L'Areal get another victory, Mikel Marino right at the heart of it, and they are flying. They are. It's it's a really fascinating season, and with Sevilla winning El Gran Derby, uh, they are both right up the top with Real Madrid in contention. Uh, Real Sociedad one point clear, and then Real Madrid and Sevilla, as you say, one point behind, level on points. Well then, Rory, it's now time for our MVP picks of the weekend. And there was a lot of contenders this week. We've already mentioned Lucas Boyer um, and a couple of others. We mentioned, the, uh, of course, the Argentinians in the Sevilla game. Acuna, Ocampos, Montiel, all very impressive. But we've picked four and uh, your first pick is one from Friday night. Take it away. Pacha Propaganda is back and in a big way. <laughs> A really big way, 17 ball recoveries I think I saw online, which is just a crazy stat. It really goes to the sort of motoring style of him and, and he's just a force of nature down that left-hand side. Gareth are so lucky to have him because, I mean, fullbacks have become vastly more important in, in recent years, but not in quite the way that Pacha Espino does it. I mean, he provides and he's good going forward, he's good defensively, but... It's not because he's controlling the game from left back. He, he is just an absolute terror for, for anyone playing against him. And he demonstrated that once again on Friday night and was one of the main reasons that they got back to winning ways. Absolutely. And at one point, he outran Iñaki Williams. And I think my jaw was on the floor for a good few seconds <laughs> after that. Just sensational performance from him. And as you say, integral to this caddied side. Speaking of integral, um, we spoke about this uh, with Ian Morris. Um, Iago Aspas, he returned to the starting lineup, uh, captain of Celta, the talisman. 3 0 down at half time, you're thinking, okay, you know, it's Barca, this can happen. But no, he led the charge to, to get back into the game, first of all, and then kind of dragging them through those, those second half moments, forcing them forward, geeing them on, and then the, the equalising goal is well we've heard the commentary clips it's just incredible a perfect i know you don't want to talk about this anymore and i'm sorry but <laughs> again I, I, <laughs> the finish the kind of the ambition to it's it's the perfect finish isn't it it's a curled finish from the edge of the box right into the corner beyond Ter Stegen. and yeah the celebrations were just fantastic as well um which to me makes him a very worthy nomination for mvp um, similar kind of heroics um, from a talismanic figure you've gone for from Alaves. Yes, um, I, I will eventually forgive you for making me relive that moment for the third time on this podcast. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, Heroic's last minute, Hosolu, we, we did mention him earlier. He really put the thump in a thumping header to, to win the game for them. And I mean, I talked about Kayeka and his effect. The smile that Hosolu sort of lets loose at the end of that, I think for me, really, I mean, he was always playing and playing relatively well. We saw that assist that I mentioned the other week against Barcelona. But that smile was for me that Hosolu is back. He's invested. This is his team. He is the sort of transcendental, transcendental figure of this team. And back again, sort of winning them points. There is no sort of figure, figure like him in this Alaves team. He's so important to them. And he came up almost single-handedly winning them the game there. Yeah, incredible performance once again from their main man up front. Um, to round off these these picks, then it, it's probably only fair that I include a Valencia player and what a cameo from Hugo Duro. He comes on <laughs> in the 85th minute. He scores to get them back in the game 92. Hell of a finish, that one. The uh, the second, his first goal. And then the header from the set piece. We've mentioned Atleti's defending, but... You know, in terms of attacking the space, attacking the ball, getting the power on it to beat Oblak, fantastic. And, you know, all the jokes from his time at Hitafe in the Cup semi-final. You know, Valencia fans kind of already had the shirts with uh, Toque and Hugo Duro. Well, now he's become a bit of a cult favourite for scoring them goals, uh, you know, in their shirt. So for me, he's got to be up there. In ter- probably the uh, the smallest cameo of the season in terms of an MVP candidate, but I think he did more than enough to warrant a slot. So yeah, for me, he's he's my other pick. Uh, as for moments of the weekend, once again, there was so many to pick from. We had, I mean, le- we could have had left-footed goals alone. We had Antoine Griezmann, fantastic <laughs> goal. Acuna in El Gran Derby. Adria Pedrosa as well in the Espanyol game. But for me, and, and this has become a bit of a thing for me uh, in recent weeks, RDT scoring once again, um, fantastic header, and then getting the call up to Spain. That makes it him my moment of the weekend. Cuidado el balón, rol de Tomás! Toma Lucho! Toma Lucho! Apunta Lucho! Gol! But yeah, you, you've gone, you've gone for Hugo Duro, haven't you? Yeah, I'm going for your MVP candidate. There are a few finer sights in football than seeing Mustaya erupt. It's something that we've been robbed of via the pandemic and via some some terrible management decisions from from up above. But yeah, what a moment to see them get that last minute equaliser. And I, I mean, it's one of the greatest things in football is the last minute goal to either get your team a result or, or win the match and Doko and Hugo Duro he does it again you've got to give it credit got to give him credit I think he's more in many people's minds a, a sort of hard-working striker who who does a job as opposed to being an out-and-out goal scorer but he, he's done it again and he's come up massive for Bordelas an incredible goal Incredible finish and an incredible weekend. And I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We've come to the end. Stick with us on La Liga Lowdown on Twitter for all the coverage of the international break. Spain have two very important qualifiers to see if they can make the World Cup automatically or if they will face a daunting playoff. Stick with us on Twitter for that. Check out our website for new content dropping as well. 
My thanks go to Rory for being with me tonight and to Ian from Celta USA and Gregor. And of course, to all of you listening, we started the show with Aspas, so it's only fitting that we will finish it with Hugo Duro. The two 3-3 matches this weekend, incredible circumstances that bookmarked this podcast. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the international break. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.